Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is the man who held the WBA, WBC, and lineal welterweight world championship of boxing title. He turned pro in 1979 and had 25 straight wins to start his professional career. August 22, 1987, in his 46th professional fight, he would capture the WBA world welterweight title when he scored a knockout over Mark Breland in the 11th round. Let's let Michael Buffer take it from here for the introduction. So, Michael, take it away. Now the moment you've all been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen, 15 rounds of the welterweight championship of the world. In the blue corner, wearing turquoise trunks, weighing 146 pounds, the charismatic challenger from Hartford, Connecticut, he's the magic man, Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to welcome the magic man himself, Marlon Starlin, to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Marlon. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Uh, love it, love it. So, you know, you got your start in boxing with the help from a coach named Johnny Duke, who's one of those guys who is a boxing legend. He helped you train for the National Junior Olympic team. Uh, he's a guy who also gets lost in history now of the game because, you know, it's been so many years. Uh, he was introduced to, by the legendary champion Willie Pep into boxing. He fought professionally from 1942 to 1946. He's a member of the National Gold Gloves Hall of Fame. What did Johnny Duke mean to you, and what did he teach you? Well, Johnny Duke was like a, he was like a father to, to everybody in, the, in, the, in, in, the, in that uh, project where, where I grew up at. Um, he, he he made me see a lot of things. He made me see uh, the, the difference between uh, black black and white. Now you turned pro. Oh, excuse me. You won the National Junior Olympics as a 15-year-old in the 147-pound division. Johnny Duke, at that point, I read the article, compared you to a young Sugar Ray Robinson at the time saying you can hit and you can move and are ring-wise. How much confidence did winning that Junior Olympics give you? Well, you know, um, that was, that was, um, it was, it was just, uh, it was just a, a surprising thought. It, it was like, um, you, you did it, um, you, you're the, you're the best, you're the best, um, welterweight in the junior Olympics, you know, best junior guy that, uh, that, uh, was good enough to, to win that, that title. It's interesting, too. I also read some articles about your mom being there, and she didn't mind you getting knocked around in the ring. She said it was better than being knocked around in the streets and that you're able to defend yourself. How much support did you get from your family to be a boxer? Well, my, my family was a big support. You know, they, they came to every fight. But uh, one, one really special, should I say, special thing that I always said to myself, uh, my mom came to every fight that I participated in, and she said in the first round, I mean, she said in the first, she said in the first row, but I'd never seen my mom at a fight. <laughs> so you, you turned pro in 1979, which was a year before the 1980 Olympics. Um, those were held in Moscow. Obviously, the USA boycotted those Olympics. 
you know, before that, did you ever consider fighting in the Olympics? Well, you know what? One thing I didn't do, I never thought about turning pro. Turning pro was that never, never, it never came into my mind. Turning pro, I did boxing because I had fun doing it. You know, I got, I got to a point where I, you know, I thought I was Muhammad Ali. And my first boxing rope, uh, my a person that I was working for, as a, as an amateur, bought me a Muhammad Ali a big, a long, white and black robe. And, you know, at that point, you know, I thought I was Muhammad Ali. <laughs> so you said you never thought of turning pro. So who turned you on to say, look, Marlon, you can have a career at this. That's how good you are. Who was the person that was influential in, in making you turn a pro? Me. You know, it got <laughs> to the point where I was working a full-time job. And um, I had, um, we, had, we, had boycott, we had boycotted the 1980 Olympics. So, uh... I said to myself at that time, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn pro, see what I can get out of it. <laughs> see what I can get out of it. You know, if, you know, I do good, I do good. If I don't, I continue to do my, my full-time job. So, you know, AJ and I have been lucky over the 10 years of doing the show to talk to various different athletes and always try and, and talk to them about what they remember from their first professional game, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, hockey, or boxing. So July 27, 1979, your backyard, Hartford Civic Center, your first professional fight against Tim LaValle. What do you remember most about that first fight and the feelings you got standing in the corner when they announced your name and the bout started? Just another fight. Really? I mean, that, 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 you know, just you know, the, the word pro. You know, pro, pro. The, the, the word pro didn't stand out big for me. You know, it was just another fight. So you fight your first fifteen fights at the Harvard Civic Center, and you're fighting basically once a month. So what was it like having to have a fight every month? Um, it was. I was in the gym. I was in the gym every day. So I, I wanted to fight. You know, I, if I could afford every other week, it would have been fine. So what about the fight game has changed? Because AJ and I, and we talk about this, AJ and I talk about this a lot. We grew up what we feel was the golden age of boxing. You know, I'm 58, AJ's a little older. We saw all the greats, and, you know, all these fights were wars. You, every you knew every fighter. And they you weren't pay per view. When I started watching right. Friday night fights on so, on Channel Seven, Wide World of Sports, Wide World of Sports. Jerry Quarry, you know, a, a guy who you know probably younger people have yeah. no idea of, but yeah. Jerry Quarry was a very good boxer. You know, there was just so many um, Oscar Bonavena. There was guys, so, I remember. I remember Dick Tiger. I remember uh, right. so Emil what, Griffith. What I mean, has changed from, from the from the um, I'm, I'm saying from the say late sixties to. The early 80s or the late 80s, I could have told you everybody that was in every class in every BCBA at that time. I could have told you everybody about the sport of boxing during that time. During those, those, the 30s, the 70s, I mean, the 70s and 80s, I could have told you everybody that was fighting professionally just about that was in the, the BC, the BA. But today, I don't know who the champion in too many weight classes. Right. 
and there's not there's no more buzz. I mean, there used to be used to watch the Friday night fights. I remember, uh, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, all those fights. So, so do you think, you know, have you watched a boxing match recently? And do you think that the boxers are less skilled, or that people have just turned, you know, the younger generation likes the MMA, the steel cage matches, you know, glorified boxing slash kicking slash wrestling? I think. Um be honest with you, I think they're less skilled. I think I think today they put more emphasis on um, making money than than sharpening up their skills. You know, to, to 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 be to be the best, you have to you have to train. And and you know, a, a guy that can punch. I was a fighter that I never worried about a big puncher because uh, I wasn't going to be there for him to hit me. <laughs> So you know, I, you know, today it's about the skills. You don't see a lot of skill up there. Sure, you see a lot of fights. Right. You don't see a lot of skill. You know, it's also interesting, A.J. Matt, uh, mentioned the run of fights at the Civic Center. Your first 15 fights are there. Then you have one at the Felt Forum, another back one back at the Civic Center. Center. And then you make your first start in, uh, fight at Madison Square Garden against one and only Hidalgo. But then, a few months later, you're back at MSG, and it's your first nationally televised bout, and it's against Kevin Morgan. Um, you certainly make a name for yourself, knocking him out real early in the first round. How important was that fight? Um, and the way you fought it on national television to getting you bigger paydays and more name recognition. Well, I tell you, when that, that, that was a big fight. That was a big fight that was on national television. And I trained so hard for that fight. What I didn't like about that fight was it didn't last. <laughs> Certainly. I'm, well, I, I think was, Kevin Morgan I, didn't like it I as much fighting, either. <laughs> I, I was fighting on national television. I trained for weeks and months for that fight, and the fight was over within three or four minutes. Yeah. I was pissed off. <laughs> well, well, yeah, Marlon, not as pissed off as Kevin Morgan was. Right. I mean, at least you won the fight. <laughs> uh, well, see, I didn't say I wasn't happy that I won, no. Okay. I wasn't happy that I won. You know, and not only that, I won the USBA uh, championship at that time. Right. You know, we mentioned Johnny Duke as a name that many boxing fans might know, not know the history. But Freddie Roach was uh, your boxing coach as well. He's also the coach for the eight-time division world champion Manny Pacquiao, five-time and four division world champion Miguel Cotto, former uh, WBC middleweight champion Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., and three-time world champion James Tony. What did you learn from Freddie? I, I, you know, I, what did I learn from Frank? I don't know. I think, I, I think um, we were, we were um, in it together. You know, I, I learned. Uh, I, 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 Freddie was Freddie was my friend. Freddie was my friend, and uh, you know, I fought the Jane Lippers with his brother. Me and his brother won the Jane Lippers together, and and Freddie was my friend, and and when I Freddie. Freddie was one of the guys that when I went to um, when I went to out west looking for a, a trainer, Freddie was the one that told me, you know, to help me get with Eddie Futch, and because um, Eddie Futch was working with Freddie, but you know, Freddie became uh, a trainer of mine because he was my friend, and you know, we we worked together. Uh, he, he was just. Uh, Marlon styling on the outside, <laughs> and 
I was more solemn anti. So, as you're fighting, as you're winning, as you win a, a world championship, you can you're fighting. What was the biggest payday you ever had? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, today, today, I mean, uh, if, if if I was in the fighting era today, I'll be a multimillionaire because I I took on all comers. I was the type of guy. If you're better than me, bring it. And believe me, I would have fought from the Pacquiao's to the uh, Trinidad's. To, you know, those guys, you know, they sure, sure, today these guys look good. But you know what? You don't, you don't, you know, in, in, a, in a boxing match, you don't change every fight. Sometimes you got to change every round. It showed when, when Bernard Hopkins for Trinidad, how much, because people were talking big about Trinidad. And Trinidad is a fairly decent fighter, right? But Ronald Sanders would have broken down a lot earlier. Then the fight would have been over earlier. I, I was there for you to hit. You had a problem doing it. Right. So, you know, walk us through that moment. You, I, I know that you said each fight's a fight. But walk us through when, when you get the rematch against Curry, challenging for the WBA and IBF welterweight titles. Um, you lost that fight, but then your second world title fight comes in 1987. We talked about it in the open where you take out Mark Breland. Take us through that moment when you were named the world champion of the world. What, what's the first thought when you hear those words in the ring? What, what the first thought was? Yeah. I, put, I, I got... Uh, 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 a, a five hundred pound weight off my off my back because I was done. I mean, if 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 I could have called it quits at that time, I would have because that's all I wanted to do was to show the world I was the best. And at that time. I was, you know, I really wasn't the best because, because Lloyd Huntington was out there talking a lot. <laughs> so you, so ne your next fight, your first title defense, is a pretty controversial fight. You're fighting Tomas Molinaris, and you're fighting, and it comes to the sixth round, and there was a punch that was thrown that knocks you out. But the controversy was, did it come before or after the bell? Now, I watched some film of that round earlier today. What do you remember about that fight and that round and what happened afterward? Let me tell you about that fight. At, the, at that fight, rather, the fight came before or after the bell. We put all the emphasis on Marlon What do guys What I've, I've been saying this all my career, and they say it today. Protect yourself at all times. Does that mean that you have to put your hands up when you come to the come to the middle of the ring? You know what? I've made it. You know what happened in that fight? I got too comfortable. I was having too much fun. And I paid for it. You know, it's interesting also. You look at the opponents you fought against. Donald, Donald Curry, Mark Breland, for, Floyd Merriweather Sr., Tommy Ayers, Johnny Bumpus, Lloyd Hunnigan. Who was the toughest guy you stepped in the ring against? Donald Curry. Curry, really, and, and what made him so tough for you? Reason why the reason why Donald Curry 
was one of all the best guy I fought because he was like me. He did nothing great, but everything good. Now, lastly, you look at a division that had Hagler, Hearns, Leonard, Duran, Benitez. You look at your record, 45 wins, 27 knockouts, 18 decisions, 6 losses, never knocked out. All your losses came by decision, 1 draw. That's a pretty impressive record. Do you think that the era in which you fought kind of takes away how good you were because of the focus that was made on those guys? Well, I'll tell you what... um... I always, you know, I always, you know, I was always seeking uh, a Ray Leonard or Tommy Hearns. So, so I went out to, I went out to spar with, um, for the Duran fight, I went out to spar with Ray, Ray Leonard up in Canada, right? And, um, me and Ray get into a, uh, a little argument thing, so they never let us spar. So then when Leonard was going to fight, when Leonard was gonna fight um Hearns, I went out to Vegas to spar with Tommy and um I, I, I handled him real good. Hmm. Um during that spar session, Tommy broke my jaw. Oh. But I knew that if, if I you know, after when I left when I left when I left Vegas, I said to myself, if that's out there, I know I'm going to be. The, I know I'm going to be the welterweight champ because you know me. I, I handled Tommy with ease. Sure, he broke my jaw, okay, <laughs> but I handled Tommy with ease. And you know, I said to myself, if that's out there, it's just a matter of time. And don't forget, another. You have to have. I mean, there is some positive in the sport of boxing. We, we love it. AJ and I love it, and we appreciate you coming on tonight with us to relive what we think is the golden age. Marlon, Magic Man, Starling, thank you so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, guys. Dude. You have a good evening. You too.